Ready for some word? Let's get after it. Uh, I'll have you turn, if you have a Bible with you, and uh, turn to the book of Philippians. And we'll get there in a, in a little bit here. Philippians chapter 3. I wanted to remind you of our, our text without having you uh, turn there. I've been teaching a series over the last month or and a half or so called How to Walk with God. How to Walk with God. And uh, this is taken from uh, Genesis chapter 5. And uh, notice with me over here in verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days uh, of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. So it is possible then for a human being to walk with God and not just do it for a day. I had a good service today. I had a good prayer time, but to do it repeatedly year after year after year. And if you could live this long, Enoch pulled it off for 300 years. And if you can walk with God that long, you disappear. (laughs) That's the only guy I have record of that says he did that. And he was out of here. And God was so real to him, and the Lord gave him the choice uh, to go. And and so if he could walk with God, we can. Then Hebrews 11.5 also references Enoch, and it says, By faith Enoch was taken so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. All right, so Enoch was taken by faith, which means he heard God's voice, which means his walking with God was not just him him walking in godliness, him living a moral life, a life by God's standards. It was much more than that, right? Because otherwise it wouldn't be described this way. He was taken by faith, meaning he was hearing from God. Walking with God includes that. Okay, uh, I wouldn't define walking with God as someone who just lives for God, who just lives a moral life, who just lives a godly life. I would say there, they've got some good habits, some good disciplines, and they're they're probably quality people. You understand? They're living for God. But I don't want to just live for God. I want to live with God. All right? Walking with God is interactive. It is dialogue. It is experience, okay? It's more than living for God. Everybody understand the difference there? All right, living for God is a good thing. I I wanna live for God, but more than that, I wanna live with God. I wanna walk with God and and experience this relationship like he intended from the beginning. Now, all believers can say that they know God, his voice, and they have the benefits of the new covenant. Not only can we say that, we ought to say that. Should we practice? Yes. All right. If you're a believer today, say it out loud. Say, I know God. I know, God. I know His voice. I, know voice. I, have, I have the benefits of the new covenant. Okay. These are not things we're trying to get. These are things we already have. And it is that positional truth that brings us into the fullness of an experience. All right. I know Him. I know His voice. I have the things that He has given me. 
And so what happens from here, though, is that we go, we must go from position to practice. All right, from I have these things positionally and as a stated fact of God's word to I have these things in practice. In other words, what I've been teaching is we know him so we can know him. Everybody understand that? Okay. Uh, well, it's like, like being married, you know. How many know you can be married legally, but in practice, not really? If you're married legally, you want to also have like practical application to that, <laughs> to that legal document, right? And I don't want to just be saved from a legal position, a positional standpoint, a legality issue. I want to also be saved in practice, okay? And so uh, I read this article a number of years ago, uh, and so this individual was advocating that people, that families spend their money, you know, their uh, money that exceeds their basic needs, but that they spend their money on experiences rather than possessions. That instead of just buying another electronic gadget or clothes or something else that's going to, you know, be fun for a while and then go away, they said uh, they were advocating that parents, you know, give their children and themselves experiences in life. Go somewhere, do something, see some things, have some experiences. And I, that, that stood out to me. And I, I, I remember uh, thinking that there's some, there's some degree, at least, of wisdom in there and not just blowing all your money on stuff. Because uh, the experience adds to who you are. All right? It's that invisible quality that, that makes you a more well-rounded, experienced person. And, and I thought about that in relationship to, to the Lord and relationship to church, and I thought that's also what we should have in our walk with God. I should seek to go places with Him, to do things with Him. I should want to be with Him in, in this way. Um, how could I say this? When it comes to church, I know hopefully most of you aren't looking for a church, but <laughs> some of you are, I imagine. Uh, Hopefully most of you aren't. I would say find a church that helps you experience God. You understand the difference? More than just a church that will teach you about God, that should be a component in there. All right? Teach theology and teach, you know, facts about God. Find a church that will help you experience God. All right? In other words, I come out of there and my, inner, my personal interaction with God has increased. More than just, I know these things, or I can answer skeptics in this area. I have, you know, I have greater arguments against those to, for those who don't believe. More than that kind of stuff. Personally, I'm walking with him closer. Everybody with me? I'm not against memorizing scripture or truths or facts or having good, you know, defensive arguments uh, against those who attack Christianity. I'm for that on some level. I, I'm just not... I just don't think that's the answer. Amen. I don't think that's the full encompassing scope of what we should, we should have. We should seek to have experiences with God. Amen. Say amen. 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 Scripture says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. I would venture to say those of, those of you who come to church here all the time that are doing something, you have an increased experience. 
And I say doing something more than just worship. That's wonderful, and that plays a key role. But you're actually doing something in the kingdom. In other words, it's experiential more than observational. When you experience it, you'll be talking about it for years to come. You'll remember things that the, the observer will not remember when you're a part of the, the process. Hallelujah. Okay, did you find Philippians? Philippians chapter 3. Notice with me, there, this is all good, but I'll just read a couple verses. Uh, verse 7, Philippians 3, 7. Paul writes here, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. So interesting how he, he contrasts the things that he has gained in this world and says, I've lost it all, and I don't care. I've given it all up, and it's worth it. He says, that I may gain Christ. The, the New Living Translation reads, it calls this the infinite value of knowing Christ. Okay, I, I want us to have a little broader bigger picture of knowing Christ, and he calls it infinite value. How much is that worth? Well, if I put a number on it, that would diminish it. If I said it was like worth a billion, no, that would be too small. So we're going to have to use the word infinite, the infinite value of knowing Christ. Listen to this from uh, the Amplified Bible the original Amplified Bible, all right? Philippians 3.8. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. That's a mouthful you might want to read a few times. This is Paul's description, the words he used to describe knowing Christ compared to everything else, okay? He said his knowledge of Jesus was uncomparable, incomparable to earthly success. This experiential knowledge, remember that word gnosis, the Greek word, this experiential knowledge of Christ was, uh, it far surpassed any other gain, okay? It was worth losing everything else in life. This is his experience, do you believe this? Yes. One, we should take it from someone who's, you know, been there, done that. And this is a guy who we know had firsthand experience and knowledge of God. He had worldly success, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with success in this earth or in this world. I'd rather be successful than a failure, all right? He had this. He had accolades from his peers. He was highly you know, educated and amongst the best of the best. And then he got to know Jesus. And he knew him firsthand, personally, had many, you know, 
deep experiences with God. And he said, I'm comparing the two now. He said, I give that all up. In fact, I have. I, that's a bunch of dung, <laughs> rubbish. That's not, compared to knowing him, whoo, man, nothing even comes close to that. Now, a smart person would do the math here, okay? And say, if he's been there and done that, and I'm wondering if it's really worth it to go all in with this. If I'm wondering whether to spend my time in spiritual matters or, or earthly matters, uh, good, it's smart to look at someone who's been there and say, what did he know that I don't know? Why am I toying with this? Why am I wondering if this is really valuable, really worth it? And he wasn't wondering that. And he had experienced things that I haven't experienced. I'm going to go ahead and say, this is the smart thing to do. What kind of experiences have you had in life? I mean, good ones. That were maybe career success gave you a real, you know, internal feeling of, of, of value and accomplishment. That's a good experience. Maybe it's, you know, something, maybe, have you ever eaten something that was... You said, man, that thing's like 5,000 calories, but I'd do it again. It was so good. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was an experience. <laughs> or maybe it's, it's a hobby, or maybe it's, you've been somewhere, and, you know, sightseeing, and you observe something that just took your breath away. Wow, that was amazing. That was so cool, and such a great experience. Well, if any, if it's, you've had some great experiences, hopefully you have, compared to the Lord, to love those things or anything else of this world more than God is really bad math. All right? We have not calculated correctly because Paul, he saw both. He experienced both. And he's the one who used this language of a priceless privilege, of an overwhelming preciousness, of a surpassing worth and supreme advantage. He said, I'm give, I give it all up. If I could just know him. I mean, that's, that's knowing him by experience. If I could just know him, I know him. <laughs> I can't compare anything to that. And if you accept that as being real, the testimony of one as being real, it'll cause you to go after the best and pursue what is the most, all right? Now, when we come and we come to church and we do what we're doing now, there are multiple uh, motivations and, and benefits to doing this. One of them is the personal interaction we have with one another. And we could teach messages and show you scriptures on that and how we, how we benefit from being around wise people and godly people and the spiritual connections are, are of great value and great worth. However, these things should be uh, second in our priorities system. Uh, my, my, my first priority is not you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My first priority is my connection with the Lord. Amen. To be with Him, to walk with Him, and then to do what He wants me to do. All right? I recommend that. I think that should be first and foremost. In other words, sometimes people come because family goes here or friends go here. And, and again, there's not zero value in that. There is some good value in that. But that can't be first. It can't be the driving force. Otherwise, we'll substitute those relationships for this relationship. 
okay? It, it, this only works. In fact, these relationships that we have, we might, might call horizontal relationships, they become better when this vertical relationship is priority. When the reason I pray, the reason I do church and worship and these things is first and foremost because of my love for God, my connection with Him, and this interaction. Because if I know Him, it's just so much better than everything else in this world. If that is in place, then I'm a be in a better position to have a good relationship with other people. I'm more likable, right? Easier to get along with, more generous. I mean, I'm more like Him, right? And the more we act like the Lord, the, I mean, the, the nicer we are. I tell you, in heaven, no one dislikes God. No one's thinking about, you know, a vote. I think we need new leadership around here. <laughs> He's altogether lovely, altogether worthy. And, uh, you know, when we seek to unite with people, what happens is we become more like them or they become more like us, and we become a watered-down version of our potential. But when we seek to be unified around God's Word, unified around His plan, about I have a connection with Him, and you have a connection with Him, and you have a connection with Him, uh, now our walking together becomes natural, normal, and it's at a high level. Because none of us are compromising. We're, 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 uh, his standard is, is our standard. Amen. Paul wrote to the Colossians and was warning them about these people who would try to deceive them in different ways and they had all these lofty ideas and, you know, neglecting of the body and worshiping of angels and, and all, all this, th th these things like that. And he said about these people, one of the things that they would do is Colossians 2.19, he spoke of them and said, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that comes from God. One of their errors is they didn't hold fast to the head. All right, who's, who's the head? Jesus is the head. We are the body. That's a sure way to get off track. Whenever we uh, disconnect or lose our hold, that sounds, sounds strange, we lose our hold on the head... We, we lose that focus, um, we, we get off track. When, when Jesus leaves the conversation, that void will be filled with deceit. Okay, now watch, this happens in churches. It happens in individuals. So how could that happen in a church? People, church? Churches, like, lose hold of the head? They do. They embrace their systems and their natural things, uh, or they just become social agents in the world. They get into these lesser issues instead of holding fast to the Word, to the head, to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Anyone can do this. It's real popular in our day. In fact, a friend of mine in another state, he, he, was, he told me he was talking to, with another pastor in his city, and this pastor was telling him, he said, yeah, our church is going, uh, going Jesus light. <laughs> he told him that. Like looked him in the face. We're going Jesus light. He said, yeah, we're going to do 50-minute services and uh, I guess not, not be too heavy on Jesus. Thinking, you don't even believe what you say you believe if that's what you're, if, you, if that can come out of your mouth, Jesus light. <laughs> um, 
Amen. It's like in this world where it's acceptable in our modern day culture to talk about God, G-O-D. It's acceptable to talk about religion, use that language. It's even somewhat acceptable to talk about my faith. Oh, my faith is very important to me. You know, you hear famous people saying that. My faith is very important to me. Well, because that kind of language is not super offensive, right? But when you bring in the J word, that's when people, some people get nervous. Oh, here they go, they're going to talk about Jesus. Why? Because you talk about Jesus and that's exclusive. That doesn't say everybody's fine, everybody's good, everybody, it's exclusive. It's, it's, uh, that's because there's no other name among heaven by which men must be saved. There is salvation in no other name. Jesus, Jesus said I, in the book of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That's strong language that some don't want to hear, but that's where the power is. That's where the victory is. That's where salvation is. That's where healing is. That's where everything is. We've always got to know the enemy will work opposite of God's word. If you see a word, if you read any scripture, know that the enemy will try to trick you into doing the opposite, either through neglect, through forgetfulness, through you've never known it, but just it, to try to put it aside and focus on something that's non-eternal, focus on something that will keep that relationship at, at a distance in some, in some measure. Again, another way to say it, not holding fast to the head. And so Jesus has got to be, you know, the focus, the center point, the, 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 the beginning and the end. Amen. Amen. And, and this is what keeps things working. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? I tell you, the, the Lord is helping us. The Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to remind you, Jesus said, when he comes, he's going to remind you of things I said. Yeah. He's going to testify of me. Yeah. Well, I'm just getting into some really deep things. Is Jesus at the center of it? I'm just really going further in God. Is, it, is Jesus at the center of it? Because if, if he's not, you're being deceived. If he's not, it's a wrong spirit leading you down a wrong path. Yeah. And these, this, these things are common through history. So we're not above it. Well, that could never happen to us. Yes, it could. If we don't hold fast to the head. Right? If this connection with God is not preeminent, we could easily, people get deceived by money and by systems and religions and, and all kinds of things. Social causes. And, you know, there's religions galore that are cropping up. A lot of the new ones don't have religion on them. They don't say church. They say global this or that. You know what I'm talking about? Environmental religion. And people adhere to it. And they worship these things. And they give their life to them. Jesus is not at the center of it. It's a distraction to, keep, to break that relationship. Because what happens if you turn into another Enoch? What happens if a bunch of us do that? We start walking with God every day. I tell you, the devil doesn't stand a chance. And you'll, you'll realize how good, how good God is and you won't want anything to do with this, this earthly th these earthly things. He's just so much better. Praise God. All right. Could you turn one more place today? Uh, John chapter 15. John 
the 15th chapter. If you're not sure where John is, page 1011 <laughs> in my Bible. Anybody have 1011 in your Bible? You guys need to, oh, we got one right in the back. Two of us have, have good Bibles. John chapter 15, verse 1, 15 and verse 1, Jesus said here, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So how, how does the Lord clean people? With words. Why should we preach the word? It cleans people. <laughs> it, it, gets, it, it gets rid of the junk. It gets rid of the wrong thinking. It gets rid of anything that's ungodly or worldly or corrupt in any way. That's why we always go back to the Word. Amen. Sometimes people say, I love these services where we don't even get to the preaching. <laughs> Listen, I do too if it's a genuine move of the Spirit. I love that too. But it's never going to be 100% that way all the time because the Word has always got to take preeminence. All right? Remember this, many years, for many years to come, the reason we are sustained, upheld, and walking with God is because we value what He says. His Word must be thought about, spoken about, meditated on. Amen. His Word does what in, in us what no other thing can do. So we don't replace God's Word with the move of the Spirit. Those things work together. In fact, Jesus said they went all out everywhere in Mark 16 and preached the Word, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the Word with signs following. So we always want to get the Word, because then God has something to work with. So I want God to work in my life more. This is one of the ways that you walk with God. You treasure and value everything He says. You hold it dear to your heart. You think about it. You meditate on it and speak it out your mouth. When God's Word is center in you, He has something to work with. Yeah. He performs His Word. He doesn't perform my great idea. He doesn't, he doesn't confirm my motive. He confirms His Word. He doesn't confirm my uh, honesty, my transparency. Well, I'm just being open with the Lord. I hate my life. He doesn't have anything to work with in that. I'm just being vulnerable before God. My life's really miserable and I want Him to fix it. That's not, he doesn't have anything to work with there. Yeah, you're being real. Yeah, that might be genuine. You're not being deceptive. You might be sharing how you feel, but God confirms His Word. I don't understand why the Lord hasn't responded to me. I've been called, crying out to Him. Which word have you used? This is my recommendation, even if you're going through something, or, or that may be real or real experience, ask the Lord, say, I'm looking to you. Give me a word. Help me. And then look in the book and look for something He said about you, your situation and circumstances. That way you can say, Lord, my, my life has been a mess, or I've been really struggling, this has been hard. But you said in your word, you promised, Lord Jesus, you said this, Lord, this is written in your word. 
Now God has something to work with in your life. And now you put a smile on his face, just like he smiled on Enoch. Come on, because you're doing something by faith, not just by pain. Say, so doesn't the Lord respond to our pain? Obviously not. Look around the world. I mean, there is a lot of pain, a lot of hardship. Why isn't God fixing it? That's not how it works. He, made, he makes provision. He did that through Jesus. He can't give anything more than his son. That is cream of the crop, top shelf. That is the best he can give. And he gave his own son to redeem the world. Jesus suffered and died. And it is on that basis that God can minister to people today and get to our lives, but he still works with his word. That's why those who saw the Lord, those who saw him in his resurrected form were commanded to preach. Now you go into all the world and preach. Lord, why don't you just fix them? You're God. This is how he fixes them. This is how he fixed me. How he continues to help me. This is how he'll fix you. A word is preached. So why do we need these preachers like me? Because that's how God works in you. Someone's got to speak. And then when we hear the word and believe that word, God has something to work with. He confirms his word with signs following. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't plan on saying any of that. <laughs> Nevertheless, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The word, the word abide here. The, the, the Greek word abide from Strong's means to stay. To stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. To stay there. If I'm going to abide in the Lord, this is different than visiting. It's constant union as opposed to an occasional visit. I'm going to go talk to the Lord. Well... Okay, but if he's real to us, we get to a place where we're on some level always talking to him. I'm in him. He's in me. There's an abiding quality to this. It's not I'm out and now I'm going to go in the house and go visit with the Lord. I'm abiding in him here. And now I'm going to go to church and be with him. And when I leave church, I'm going to go home and be with him. And it's that mentality. It's a continuation. It's a constancy. It's not in and out. It is, it's, it's like a house, not a hotel. Come on. My relationship with God is not like a hotel. Check in, stay for a while, check out. No, we live together. I live with him. That's, that's, that's this word uh, abiding, okay? Every, what he's saying is every good thing we can produce is dependent on our connection with Jesus. Nothing I can, I, my life does not make good things, does not produce uh, godly fruit. It does not produce, remember uh, Galatians 5, love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, you know, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, uh, faithfulness. You know, I didn't say them all in the right order and so forth. But you understand, those things are, are come out of the born-again spirit, all right? And they are a result of our connection with Him. Those things, well, no, watch. Fruit grows off a tree because of the type of tree it is. Or you could say it grows off the branch because of the branch's connection with the, you know, the trunk, the vine, or as Jesus said, with the trunk. As long as the branch is connected to that trunk, the vine, it's going to produce fruit. It, it just will. Okay? Not the branches have to go... What are you doing? Making an apple. <laughs> Been working on this for a long time. And if they stay diligent and dedicated and try really hard, they're going <laughs> to pop out an apple. Now, neither is our approach to, watch, producing love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, etc., uh, a result of, or I'm really trying not to be a jerk. I'm really trying not to be so inconsistent and unfaithful. I'm really trying to be more gentle. I'm really working on them. Just, and it's it's like it's like wait a minute. If you are who you are supposed to be, if you're in the right connection, those things should come out of you naturally. Yeah? yeah? And sometimes when we're putting our efforts onto squeezing out an apple, <laughs> our efforts, our focus ought to be on the connection that we have with Jesus. If our focus and our emphasis is on our, our connection with the Lord, then the fruit production comes without effort. Amen. Why are you so loving and so gentle and so faithful now. Not because I've been working on my love and gentleness and faithfulness, but because I've been working, if you will, on my connection with the Lord. Amen. Working by daily acknowledgement, constant communion. Amen. Hearing and doing His Word. I'm just, I'm just connected to Him. And when I do that, man, this other stuff, it's like I used to really struggle and now it comes with ease. That's the Lord's method. That's why uh, this connection, this walking with God, solves everything. That's a, that's a big statement. That's why it, it solves everything. It's what, why Paul, remember the Amplified? Surpassing worth. Supreme advantage. He said, mine... My knowledge of him, and that's an experiential walking relationship, my knowledge of him is worth way more than anything I could gain in this life. When I have this in place, this other stuff just comes out of me. It went so far with him, he was able to take multiple beatings and come up smiling because he was persecuted heavily, heavily for preaching the gospel. He'd come up from stoning and say, let's go preach again. Yeah, that's right. What? How do you do that? 
How do you take such a beating and such a pummeling? And Satan came after him, sending his messengers after him. All this stuff to disrupt his life and cause him hardship. And he'd be thrown in prison like a crook, right? And he'd come out of there saying, yeah, but at least they're talking about Jesus. <laughs> How do you keep such a good attitude? How do you say things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? It is his connection with the Lord that was superior to any natural gain. And he had the perspective that put him over the top. And most of us don't have to deal with beatings and things like that, right? Most of us are not dealing with the type of stuff that he had to deal with. But I'm saying if that worked for him, there's no doubt if we would prioritize this connection with the Lord and, and, and work on not our behavior per se, but work on our, our closeness, our proximity to the Lord, man, we're set. I can deal with that jerk at work now. <laughs> Come on. I'm speaking, you know, not, not the people that work for me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm talking in general, you know. You can deal with your spouse or your children when they're acting up. You can deal with, with whatever obstacle comes. If that connection is strong, why does that fix everything? Well, because he's the answer. When you're in that communion, he's real to you. His wisdom is mind-blowing. The answer is the solution. He has the power for our healing and our, and our strength and our deliverance from trouble and the wisdom to deal with situations, that connection. It's why some people, I forget who it was, some old-time famous preacher like uh, Wesley or someone like that, made some statement. Sorry, I don't have the quote uh, accurate right now, but you'll get the, the gist of it. It was like, I have so much to do today. My plate is so full. My schedule is so packed. I'm never going to be able to do it all unless I spend the first four hours in prayer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, wait a minute. You could just like do an hour. Then you'll have more time to deal with all this stuff. But what he was saying, you know, and if the quote is, is, is exact or, or close to that, what what he's saying is my connection with God is so much more important. It like fuels everything else. Things get handled and, and settled in that when that relationship is what it's supposed to be. And so we can work hard and work, you know, and just try to solve everything. Or we can say my connection with the Lord matters most. And I'm never going to give up that time with him for anything else. Amen. Let's stop there for today, since I preached overtime already. I tell you, the Lord's moving in here. And He's not just moving in the worship. That's wonderful. He's moving in the Word. Amen? Praise God.